Welcome to the EA Church Podcast. If this ministry has touched your life or you're in need of spiritual support, please let us know by emailing prayer at effinghamassembly.org. If you would like to support our ministry, visit effinghamassembly.org forward slash giving and choose a donation option that's best for you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. This morning we're going to be talking about hope. Hopeful expectation and hope. And our basis for this morning is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of uh, Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff were his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, tumulet, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Father, this morning we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it provides us hope. And I pray today we would feel that hope, we would live that hope, and we would be light of that hope to those in darkness. We thank for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I say the word Advent, and some of you may think nostalgic memories. Others of you may not have so much nostalgic memories because maybe it was a time that was forced upon you, and maybe uh, you're not really accustomed to Advent. The word Advent comes from the Latin word means uh, coming or visit. For hundreds of years, Christians have celebrated Advent. They've observed it, which is the, the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And it's a special time to set our hearts, to set our minds on the affections of the meaning of Christmas. We join with Thousands of years ago, when the Jews were longing for the Messiah, they were waiting for him to come visit. The first mention is back into some ancient writings dating back to the 6th century, and some as early as 8380 uh, at the Spanish Council of Saragossa. And it's not just a very old tradition, but it's a personal one. There's not really regiment or guidelines. There's some principles, and those are some of those, the four things that we're going to be talking about. But there's different ways to express this, and there's the freedom, because the ultimate goal is the expectation of the visit of Jesus, to get out of the hectic holiday and get our focus on Jesus. You know, the Christmas shopping, uh, the encouragement for that doesn't even wait until Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving. Now it's the day of Thanksgiving. And there's nothing wrong with getting into the giving season because we should. Because gratitude, 
what I talked about for the last few weeks, fuels um, hope, fuels giving. And so it's a good thing, but we can get lost in this moment, and what we need to do is quiet our hearts. And as your pastor, that's what I'm encouraging and, and going to try to help over these next four weeks. Let's quiet our hearts. Let's focus on the holy moment. Let's not miss out on the moment. Let's not just think about the moment for a day or for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Let's think about it now. Let's remember the goodness, the greatness of this holy moment that we don't let it pass by, that we rest in it, that we join in the waiting. On November 21st, 1943, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a letter from Tegel Prison. He said this, A prison cell is like a good analogy for Advent, he said. One waits, hopes, does this or that, ultimately negligible, negligible things. The door is locked and can only be opened from the outside. Now, it'd be kind of strange, but in this moment, there's a powerlessness, maybe hopelessness. However, Bonhoeffer thinks it's the best kind of preparation for the Christmas season because each of us has that moment of thinking or feeling we're powerless, we're hopeless. Isaiah means the salvation of Jehovah. It's the message that Isaiah carries of God's salvation for Israel and the nations through, through him. Isaiah is quoted over 300 times in the New Testament, which is pretty significant. This is a kind of a side note. You may be interested in this. The book of Isaiah has 66 chapters. The Bible has how many? 66 books. There's two divisions of Isaiah, and the Bible has how many divisions? Two. Isaiah's first division is 39 chapters, and how many chapters are in the Old Testament? 39, and the second would be, if we subtract that, would be what? 27. Very good. This is, by some scholars, seen as the fourth and final section about Judea. Previous to chapter 9, Isaiah is preaching about judgment that is coming through the hands of the Assyrians, being used by God for judgment upon his people. Um, Israel knew this was going to happen. But Isaiah is prophesying of the future beyond this moment. Carries with it chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And he would sit on this throne eventually, ruling the nations forever. This hope, this hope that he prophesizes through this child that's coming. This morning, as we look at hope, it's segmented in verses to one, verses one and three describes the hope, and verses four to seven explains the hope. Verse one again, but there will be no gloom for who, for who was in anguish in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You've multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you 
as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. There's an increase because of hope. This first falls 733 BC, and he sees the darkness, the darkness that's taking place, the darkness that's happening in the lives of these believers. But instead of staying in the darkness and the doom and gloom, light is coming. Light is coming. What's interesting is this first verse, Jesus talks about this land, land of Zebulun, Naphtali, and later Jordan, Galilee of Nations. When you go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, these regions are fulfilled in the ministry of Christ. He brings increase. He brings light. He brings light. This darkness was described in chapter 8, verse 17. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will hope in him. This is a very dark time in the nation. They were in exile. They didn't have much hope. But Isaiah prophesies of this hope that's coming. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They're waiting for the Messiah, and Isaiah preaches that this light will come and shine and dispel the darkness, and it's a hope that's certain. Scholars say that it was written in past tenses as though it happened already. Kind of sounds like what I talked about with faith. They're believing and living this light as if it was, but it's yet to come. They believe in the reality of the light. Isaiah has the confidence in the light and what it will do to the darkness. Not because it's happening right away, but it's happening with eyes of faith. Believe, believers can have light when walking in the darkness and we're sustained by hope. There's joy. This hope brings joy. Verses 4 through 7. It talks about this, and I'm just going to summarize. There's rejoicing as a result, result of the harvest, as a result of their work. Don't our farmers, hey farmers, do you have joy and rejoice when that work is done, right? You're thankful for the hard work of your hands. You're thankful for the hard work of the Lord and the, and the actual result of that harvest. And then there's the spoils, the, the victory that we're going to talk about. There's the spoils of the victory that God brings. And that's awesome. It's something that God does. God's victory. The hope brings deliverance. Isaiah's looking back when he's talking about the yoke. He's bringing back uh, Leviticus. He's talking from Leviticus, burdens and exodus, shoulders referencing with Psalms and the oppressor based upon exodus, looks back to Egypt and the exodus that God brought him through. This was important of God fulfilling that covenant. Hope brings the fruits of victory. It's a victory that God does. We allow God to work in our lives, right? God, I need victory in my life. I need this set to be set free, but God 
God does the victory. God brings the victory. Victory brings your freedom. Victory brings salvation. Victory brings purpose all in this moment. And hope brings the king and his rule. And it all rests upon hope. The king is born. Jesus is born of a child. And it rests upon him. The son of God is born of a virgin. He takes the burden of the rule on his shoulders. He's the perfect king with the everlasting throne. He's a wonderful counselor with supernatural wisdom behind, beyond our comprehension. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father to his children. He's the prince of peace, and his rule is forever, beyond limits of time and space. This all happens through the zeal of the Lord. So how does this apply to us today? Advent's all about hope. God's people were in need of major hope at this time, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel hopeless in a situation in your family today. Maybe in your job. Maybe in your finances. Maybe in other circumstances, just in the hopelessness of the unknown, the unforeseen future, the things that we can't see by sight. I want to encourage you that this time of Advent is for us to be able to focus that hope, that hope, that hope. You may feel like this morning you're walking in darkness. We know there's great darkness. There's great darkness in our world, great darkness around us. But even believers, we can feel that there's darkness around us. But I want to encourage you this morning, there's hope. There's hope in Jesus. And darkness is just the absence of light. When there's darkness, we have the opportunity to shine our lights like never before. We know we live in dark times, so let's turn up the brightness of, the, of Jesus Christ in our lives. You know, it's a strange feeling, isn't it, to walk in darkness? At home, darkness can be a bad thing, if you, especially if you're a parent right? Ever walk into a, a kid's room or maybe your living room or an unexpected area in your, your home and you step on a Lego <laughs> or you trip over a doll or a truck or a tractor? That's why in our home we have, we have several night lights. If I'm up with a child or a child's in getting up, I want them to be able to have some light. It's important in our lives. But the darkness, it's been a long, you know, I, I was saved, I was fortunate, I grew up in a, a pastor's home, and that's not an automatic ticket to salvation because there's many children that grew up in pastor's homes and, and they don't follow the Lord. But, you know, as a, as a child, I, I received the Lord. I, I came to, uh, you know, at, young age of five, and there were other times throughout my life where I made a series of other commitments to Christ, and I think that's good to re-solidify that faith. And so I don't know exactly sometimes the level of darkness that people face sometimes. You know, I, I as a pastor, I've talked and counseled and worked with many people, but there are people that have extraordinary darkness in their life. 
And I can't imagine the frightening feeling of the darkness. We know that in darkness, it's scary to take the next step. It's frightening, honestly. It's frightening. You don't know what's going to be ahead of you. You, you don't know if you're going to trip. You don't know if you're going to fall. And that happens with those that are in spiritual darkness. But Advent brings hope. It's not only given at the time of Isaiah of light invading darkness, but it's a moment now. Advent says things are about to change. Proverbs 4.19, the way of the wickedness is like deep darkness. They do not know what way they will stumble. Isaiah 9.2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Advent is a hopeful expectation that things today will change with hope for tomorrow. Isaiah, like I said, is speaking of that thing of is yet to be as it already were so. Isaiah stood on the promises of God, and that's what we have to do. Those things that we're believing for, the, those things that we're hoping for, we stand on God's word, we stand on, his, on faith in God's word as if it was already happening. Happening. And there's a remedy for hopelessness. It's this Gratitude. Gratitude helps us with the hopelessness. I don't think it's coincidence that we just talked about gratitude. It brings us hope. Lamentations 3.21, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What's he doing? He's called those things of what God's done to mind. Psalms 42, 4-6 these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would it go? How I would go through the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise his name, my salvation and my God. Parallel, Psalm 43, 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, to my God exceedingly joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O, o God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. When we give thanks, Colossians 1, verse 12 through 14. Just, follow, just listen, I, I didn't give the, this is one that was added um, right before I came in this morning. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the... Sorry, I'm going to read it from my Bible. <laughs> I got in trouble. My scribbling, sometimes I can't write, can't read. First Corinthians, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's transferred us. You and me who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who set our hearts in faith and trust for, in salvation have transferred us. Literally, it's a, 
It's a transaction. Transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into his light. Hope. Gives us hope. Giving thanks gives us hope. Hope is that confident expectation. It's knowing that the sun will come up tomorrow. The sun will come up tomorrow even if you live in the most northern city in Alaska where they have 65 days of polar light. The sun will come up again. The sun will come up again in your life, in your situation, in your marriage, in your finances, in your job, in whatever you're facing today. The sun will come up again. And all this is wrapped up in the child that was promised to us. The physical embodiment of hope in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6.19 We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Our hope is anchored not into optimism, not into positive thinking, not into other gimmicks and tricks, but our hope is anchored in Jesus Christ. And that's all we need. And because of that, because of that first advent, we have the hope of the second advent. He said, I will come again. I will come again. And that's what advent does. It brings us that hope the fulfillment of the first advent and the promise, the hope of the second advent. This morning, you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. You can walk in light. We're a chosen, we're a chosen priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, that we may proclaim his excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous life. We have that hope. We have the hope because we've been set apart and we can proclaim, proclaim his excellencies. And the greatest time to proclaim those excellencies is the coming of Jesus as a babe born in the manger, fully God, fully man, the hope of all the world. Father, this morning, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to walk in gloom. Thank you, Lord, for the light that has been brought through the babe of Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you for that this morning. I pray, Lord, we won't take it for granted that the hope that we have, Lord, that we won't contain and keep the hope, Lord, that we will uh, talk about the hope, God. We will encourage the hope in others, Lord Jesus, in this Advent season, Lord, that uh, not just for the one holy moment of Christmas, Lord, but we will live in waiting and anticipation, God, just like the Jews were waiting for the Messiah to come, Lord. I pray, Lord, we will have that anxiousness, the holy anxiousness, the holy, Lord, desire, the holy waiting of your coming and in your second coming. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.